0: Hi there, welcome to or welcome back to the Shift Control Podcast. My name is Paul McAnalan. Thanks for joining me. Uh, This podcast is going to have a central theme, which I touched on in the last podcast, albeit very briefly, which is high performance and the conflation of high performance athletics and sport and high performance in sales specifically amongst individuals and or teams. Uh, I've worked with a couple of businesses from the start of 2020, so the last three or four weeks that have been very very keen to improve the performance across all aspects of their business development from marketing messaging um, to sales prospecting uh, customer retention etc etc one of the things that we've occasionally struggled with is where to benchmark the team in terms of its current performance so you can't really grow out of something to something better unless you know where you currently are so we try to put some metrics in place that take care of the, uh, I guess, the um, attributes that they see as important in terms of selling, the the practical attributes, and then some of the emotional states or the mental attitude and psychological performance that's required to bring them to another level. Um, On top of that, you include the processes, and then you include uh, optimized marketing tactics that layer on top of that. So there's quite a lot of stuff going on, um, and we were looking at some of the things that constitute uh, high performance in, in teams. Um, and I, one of the things I'd like to start with, this is a quote from an American football, college football coach called Bill Walsh. And uh, he says, the culture precedes positive results. It doesn't get tacked on as an afterthought on your way to the victory stand. Champions behave like champions before they're champions they have a winning standard of performance before they are winners so that's kind of your 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 overall starting point um, in my very humble opinion insofar as you're looking at improving the uh, performance of a team you have to be very honest about where they sit currently and the reality of their the possibilities and their true potential so just I wanted to discuss what um I would consider represents or I would consider what high performance looks like. Um, and some of the work that I uh, that I do with, with customers, prospects, clients, individuals, etc., it's really easy to fall back on your All Blacks and your Barcelona's Manchester United's, your Dublin GAA boys, um but also you can look at um organisations like um U2, okay so you two are kind of high performing as an organization because it's not just the four of them up until their I don't know who their manager is currently but when they had Paul McGuinness Paul McGinnis as their, their manager he was considered the the fifth member of the band and um, they're now uh, just at such a stratospheric level that their business in, uh, interests uh, go beyond music and merchandising i think their their elevation investment fund has got a significant shareholding in Facebook and so on and so forth. So they're, they're, they're high performing um, at, at peak level. Um, hospitals and operating theatres where you've got a variety of different people involved. You have uh, consultants and doctors and surgeons who are on quarter of a million a year. And then you've got nurses and medical staff standing beside them who are perhaps earning only thirty, thirty-five thousand 35000 pounds. Um, which one of those people do you want to fail in the day? Um, and the answer is really you want them never to fail, you want them always to be operating at the highest possible levels. And uh, So that's a high performing team. Um, you look at the the Roman Empire and the Romans and, and how high performing they were if you consider them as a as a civilization, what they did and what their legacy was. and um, that you know, compared to the organisation and the, the the kind of um, the political infrastructures we have currently, you can see that they were by far and away high performing. And there are loads of other examples that I would use. Um, like another one is Michael Flatley and Riverdance, and the New York Yankees come into play because they were one of the few franchises that had won a, a World Series in every single decade up until last last decade I think last year was the last opportunity they had to win one in that decade and they didn't. Um, So it's always very easy to fall back onto sport but I think the first thing to do is take a look at what really um, determines high performance and what high performance really looks like. And um, I think that first and foremost most teams tend to have a a common goal and a vision. Um, They tend to know um, where they're going and they tend to have a fairly good understanding of what's required to get there. There's no doubt that skill is um, always going to be very important and that brings immediately into question the idea of nature over nurture. So when you're working with salespeople in particular, there's the idea that um, people will say that they're naturally gifted salespeople. And um, for a long time, Uh, I kind of fought against the idea that people could be naturally gifted, that you you had to grow at it, you had to work very hard at at improvement all the time. But um, I guess the older I get and the more I I read about it, it's probably true that there are those people who are naturally gifted, but the people who become high-performing are the ones who are able to utilize those gifts um, and ultimately work harder than the, the next guy. And that has a significant impact. Um, high performance uh, are goal oriented they have goals set and reset by day by week, by month, by quarter, by year Um, they're typically ambitious at an individual level so they have got their own set of standards and goals that they they want to try and uh, surpass as well as those team goals Um, they have a strong sense of connection to one another so they may not come from the same backgrounds they may not come from um, the same cultures, but they will uh, work together for the sake of each other. And there's this guiding coalition between the, the sales team and the management. So the sales and the managers, the uh, sales, sales team and the sales managers and directors have a really good sense of where they're going and they kind of work towards that together. There's also a, a particularly heightened uh, attention, sense of attention to detail for um You can see that in some of the people that I work with. The best barometer I have is probably myself because my attention to detail is often wanting and and that's working in my own capacity, not having somebody to check up on me other than a client. Um, People who are working on high performance leave no stone unturned and if you read people any works by John Wooden or by um, people like Pete Carroll or Alex Ferguson, the attention to detail is uh, excruciating almost. But it's a tax on success. If you want to be successful, you have to have that level of detail um, uh, continually. So, the, the idea that um, people within the, the teams have high, very clearly defined team roles, so that will fall in line with their KPIs and their, their measurements um, that they set themselves. So. There's no arguing at the end of a quarter for commission. Everybody's got a clearly defined role, geographically, technically, attitudinally, whatever. Um, they're usually into practical problem solving. Um, the a bonded team is a team that kind of um, works at a high performance level, but always retains the importance of the individual operating at an individual level. That they're never stifled. That they can um, operate as 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 they they can um, inside that confined team arena. Um, open feedback is important. Um, integrity, keep, keeping promises, commitment, trust and respect, um, uh, a culture that's always learning, and so on and so forth. So there's quite a few um, things that 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 identify the high-performing teams over medium and low and low-performing teams. Um, one, of the, one of the attributes that underlines all of them across The sporting arena and also in the business arena is hard work. Um, People are typically driven by just simply working harder to improve, working harder to stay ahead of um, even people on that team and to stay ahead of the competition. Um, They're always very process-driven. They don't wake up uh, any morning, any given morning, and just decide to work really hard in a random fashion. Everything is process-driven. If you're an athlete, you're working uh, for example, uh, to periodization, to, so that you don't peak too early, that you are changing the volume and the frequency of your workload so that at times with those peak moments across the season um, and there's a sense of dedication that medium and low-performing teams just really uh, don't have, that they're dedicated to the cause. So it all sounds great. Um, there are loads of books out there that you can read and you can find out and you can um, see the importance of... A, a clear vision so that everybody knows exactly what everybody else is doing. I think in my lifetime I probably will have worked in one really high-performing team that um, I can say unequivocally that it was high-performance and that was validated by the results. Um, working as a team of 12 responsible for bringing in 90 million um it was competitive, it was fun, it was a lot of hard work, it was very intense, it was intelligently done. Um, the People on the team might necessarily have been the most intelligent people, but they all brought something to that team that um, was acted as a driver to push other people on. We were very process-driven, um, talking about a team in the mid-90s that was using like, CRM intently, um, data capture on the individuals, trying to make sure that... Any relationships that we had that were marginal were always won by us because we we knew more about them and we used that to our advantage. It was very data-driven. It was all about the numbers. Um, There was a common vision. We were accountable. We acted as a team. Um, We attended events together. We did stuff together. Our conferences were legendary. Um, Not many people left, and everybody wanted to work there. But one of the things that is quite curious is that in that particular team, which was in a newspaper group over in England, there was no training at all. And that's one of the fundamental differences between high performance sales and high performance athletics and high performance sports teams. Um, for me, a high performance team, uh, you talk about um, the Boston Celtics or any of the NBA basketball teams that are high performing. Even the worst teams, one of the worst teams at the minute would be um, the Golden State Warriors, but they have been very, very successful over this last, maybe the last decade. Um, They're not performing very well, but anybody that tugs out there and goes to play is operating at an optimum level. Um, they train hard. They maybe play three games uh, in the season, in the regular season. They'll play maybe two games a week, and they will train in between soccer teams Um, that play Saturday and Wednesday, will train during the week Um. Rugby, anybody that is performing at a high level will dedicate a, a lot of time in physical training and mental training. Um, mental training is now becoming more prevalent in sports. Um, but when you're in sales, when do you train? When um, do you train? A. I think that's one thing that has been a constant across anybody that I've worked with. Is um, I've asked people, have they ever sat down and thought about the messages that they, they send either email or in presentations or on the phone or whenever? Are those messages consistent across the group? How do they know? Have they stood up and recorded themselves talking? Do they know what it feels like to be sold to by them? Um, have they rehearsed three or four different ways of selling? People tend to do that when it comes to high stake negotiation because they're trying to consider what's in the other person's head and do a flowchart of likely scenarios. And, and that's great, but selling is all about scenarios. Um and one of the things that you don't get time for in sales is training um which is really really important and the the other um thing that people in sport tend to be able to do is to relax from the pressure so uh, there's a season there's a season that runs its natural course and then there's time to regroup there's time to emotionally recharge and so on and so forth In sales, you're working maybe five, six days a week, and you're probably going to take four weeks off. So you're working at 48 weeks of the year um, at a high performance that's continually driving you on, that's um, KPI, that's results-based, that has market forces coming against it. So there are a lot of things that you need to consider when you sit down as a manager and you want to create a high-performance team. The first question I ask is Are the conditions right for you to create a high-performance team? Are you looking after this team as best you can? Do they want for nothing? Do they spend a lot of time worrying about things? Are they being managed properly? Are the targets right? Do they have the right admin support? Is their marketing um, in line? Do they fully understand the marketing? Does marketing fully understand them? And so on and so forth. Um, th- that That's kind of uh, all taken care of for high-performance athletes. So you don't have to wash your own kit. You don't have to... Um, worry about uh, nutrition, you don't have to worry about fitness, um, you don't have to worry about anything really. Um, it's all, you kind of lifted and led. So on a really fully high-performing sales team, has that been reflected in the support that they are given? And most likely it's not. And I can say that from experience and they know that... Um, <clears throat> In the high performance team that I had worked with back in the mid-90s, mid-mid 90s, everything was taken care of, absolutely everything. Um so on that, there are like there are two kind of pyramids I want to talk about um, that's that are really, really good for framing um what high performance looks like. Uh, I'm gonna give you a couple of examples of where you can go, and I'm gonna try and include that in the biography, but th- th- uh track down John Wooden's Pyramid of Values, which is um, some brilliant thinking that led towards that. It's a little bit uh, religious in parts, but if you can get over that, um, then actually that's you don't have to get over it because there, there's a kind of a really, really obvious link. Well, not an obvious link. There's a link that um, is discussed between spiritual um, well-being and working in the flow state, which I can talk about later on, actually. Um, so one of those um, pyramids is is the sports pyramid, sports performance pyramid, um, which like a bit like Maslow's hierarchy of needs has a base platform at the bottom, which is talent and genetics. Like um, one of the things that you kind of need to have is a little bit of those soft skills or the. the those um, interpersonal skills or emotional intelligence that um, will allow you to be able to get on with people. I think that's kind of um, a standard across uh, everybody. Then um, you're looking at a... So that's in the context of sales, in the context of sports. Obviously, if you're playing football, you need to be able to play football. Um, You need to be able to kick a ball. It's very difficult to come into a sport in your teenage or later years. Normally, people are caught very early. Just above the talent and genetics is motivation. Above that is opportunity. Above that is training. Above that is managing injury. Above that is technology. And then above that is nutrition. So if you take that pyramid and you apply it to sales, um, motivation is kind of critical. You need to be motivated to, uh, I would say probably inspired rather than motivated. You need to have some sense of purpose that drives you as a team and also drives you as an individual to get up Um at the start of january um, at the end of every quarter and um, the beginning of every quarter you know every day of the week is a tough day so you need to be able to get up and you need to be able to do that um work as hard as you can or at least concentrate and focus in a way that allows you to um, work at a, at a high, high performing level the opportunity is the opportunity there um, are you giving yourself the the right opportunity to deliver and that goes like from the product or service that you sell, the company you've chosen to work for, the team around you, the support that they're, they're giving you, their reputation in the market, the stuff that you can control, the stuff that you can't control. Um, above that sits training and that's one of the things that um, I'm finding a lot of businesses are asking for training because not only does it fall into personal development, but it's a very obvious um, way of enhancing a team and, and giving them the opportunity to improve for managing injury, um, does that happen in sales? It sure does. Um, and you talk about the little bit that's that area just above your eyes and um, behind your forehead. Um, it's not cool to be talking about stress at work because um, it's just not cool, but it's really important to, to have those conversations because if you're working at high performance and you're succeeding. Um, you're not going to succeed all the time, and when there comes a drop, that is likely to lead to stress because targets need to be hit all the time. So, how's that managed within the individual and the team? Um, one in four people suffer from mental health issues. So, if you've got a team of 20 people, you're working with four or five of those guys just on the fringes of um, short circuiting or some sparks flying uh, in the emotional department. So, that not only has a, a serious impact on the individual, it has a serious impact on the um team. If you look at um you watch the teams that go to play in the all-iron final, they're on the bus and all the guys are getting off with their headphones on and they're all really fully relaxed and very chilled out. Do salespeople take the same approach and do they come to work in the morning and listen to a bit of Ludwig Ann Audi or uh uh you know Tony Robbins tape or are they sitting and listening to the bullshit that comes on Radio Ulster and is that the uh, mental and emotional leveller that they use any of the news channels. Do they use technology uh, properly um, to their benefit because the technology that's there today if, to help the um, a good salesperson become better is unreal and that's usually about KPIs and measurement and management of that. Um, so salespeople that really, really want to improve will measure and manage themselves. They will know where the weaknesses are. They will take a look at some of those attributes um, that may or may not work. Um, for other people, they'll know themselves fairly well. It takes a bit of emotional intelligence for that self-awareness, and they'll be able to track what they're doing. Sitting at the very top is nutrition. Okay, so um, does that really apply to salespeople? I think it does. I think that um, if you're working, um, if you're taking um, uh, If you're taking um, Red Bull in the morning, or you're taking uh, Monster, or you're taking three or four cappuccinos in the morning, um, then you know you're going to be peaking, and you're going to be uh, dipping at some points throughout the day. Certainly, if you're taking uh, sugar and you're getting your sugar rushes and every everything else. Um, one of the things on top of that is sleep, and I, I listening to um, uh, sports. Site called Michael Gervais, who's working with Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks, talk about the importance of sleep and how that can be really, really um, important in performance, mentally and physically. So that's a lot of stuff to take in. Okay, so whenever I'm parachuted into a sales team, the first thing that they want is to see, you know, improvement, and people will have preconceived ideas about how well uh, certain people will perform in the team and what they want is all the individuals to improve around them but they're not all that willing occasionally to change the environment of the sales team and um, trying to reinvigorate the surroundings and um, if you call it the sales floor or call it whatever so people are working through in a certain way all the time and immediately you want them to change and um, that can that can be challenging, so there has to be some kind of strategy behind it. There has to be a real focus on um what uh where the where where the team is right now, and how realistic is the journey to get them to go where you want them to go um is, do you have a philosophy for example is there a philosophy um for for your team um and then you' you're really sort of stepping into the area of culture so another Quote that I used to love using all the time would have been John Wooden's definition of success, that um, has been used um, in many different sporting arenas and very successful teams. Wooden said that success is a peace of mind attained only through self satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best that you are capable. So essentially, being the best that you can be, um, or being the be- doing things better than than you've done before, or whatever it is. But that philosophy needs to be in place. Um, And that philosophy will be informed by beliefs and rules and um, sort of brand and marketing and all that sort of stuff. Um, How you recruit people, how you want to retain people. And all of a sudden you've got a really big project on your hands. So you send somebody in to sell, to do some sales training and coaching and you'll, you know, have a, a quarter, three months project. And at the end of the three months, well, how are you getting on? And the only thing that has changed is the work that the coach or the trainer brings in, but a lot of the other things stay in the background. So um, for John Wooden to be successful, and Wooden was was a deadly man in coaching basketball. He won 10 UCLA championships in 12 years. He won seven in a row, a record 88 consecutive games. He was a national coach um, six times, and he had trained guys like... Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Will Chamberlain I think and a whole lot of other people who were uh, Olympians and also who played in the NBA Um, kind of took him 16 years or so maybe 20 years to develop teams where he was winning consistently like that so the idea is that does training just sit in as part of a CPD program is you know is it First, he bragging rights, where you're out with your body saying, yeah, we're doing loads of training at the moment. And, or are you saying, really, we've got a, a clearly defined strategy that is going to inform our business development and sales for the next three years. And these are the things that we need to change. Um, a couple of companies that I've worked with and um, that I've done some training with, which at the time went down really well. And through my own experience of having to engage with that business six months later, Uh, everything's as bad as ever but nobody knows because they did the training and then they just let the plate spin the plate is now wobbling and isn't it's going to crash very soon unless there's some kind of corrective uh, procedures and retraining put in place and uh, so the idea that you want to create a high performance team is almost like should come with a caveat be careful what you wish for because a high performance team takes a whole lot of moving parts, a long time to get up and running, and um, there's no guarantee of success. And um, that's what people want now, they want success really quickly. There's another pyramid I want to talk about, um, which is the like, a high performance pyramid um, that covers off four pillars of, uh, I guess, what you'd call requirements or areas that you need to have balance across. It's like a very small wheel of life, i suppose um and the very first one at the bottom is is for consider worthy of consideration at very least um if you're listening to this and you haven't got this one covered off, you have to ask a few questions um physical capacity um which is basically creating these good habits for improvement physically um which will build endurance and promote mental and emotional recovery um so what does that look like for you? Um, what what energy do you um, self-inflict through exercise? Do you do any exercise? Um, have you created sort of a program? Is that important to you? Um, how you can work from half eight in the morning to six at night, five days a week, and then maybe a bit of the weekend and maybe a bit through the week and be able to continue at an optimum performance level all the time. I don't know. I certainly struggle with getting the exercise in. Um, I wish I'd done a little more exercise younger when I was younger. Um, but only all it takes is for you to pull a calf muscle or put your back out, and then you have to psychologically get yourself in place as well as physically in place. Layered on top of that, you've got your emotional capacity. Um, and it talks about uh, the internal climate that uh, drives the ideal performance state. So this is all about the ideal performance state, which is peak or flow state um, that most high-performance individuals or teams would strive for. Um, So what's your emotional capacity like? Um, You know, cool, calm and collected? Um, Are you completely in charge of your thoughts? Are you able to switch off? um you know being happy, that smile on your face and sales is all very important about making uh, interpersonal connections and um then you've got on top of that your mental capacity, which is about binding your physical and emotional energy that can allow you to focus exclusively on what needs to be done so that you're blocking out any other interference of, um, of you know, of which of which there's many, when you think that we're bombarded by Five and a half thousand messages every day, and you're only really ever going to respond to maybe no more than ten or fifteen of those. So you need to have the capacity to to switch off and switch on at the same time, and then the spiritual capacity, which is um, where you get your motivation and your determination and your endurance from. You know, what's your purpose? Your what's your um, what's what's getting you out of bed in the morning? Why are you coming into work? What's your big why about coming into work? Um, And that's a lot of stuff that's outside of any manager's control, and it's really down to the individual to get that stuff all wired in. If you take in other areas of your life that you need to factor in, your social, your interpersonal, your family, your responsibilities as a parent, your responsibilities as a partner, your financial wherewithal, there's a whole lot of other stuff that you need to be spinning and juggling um, just to make... um, to, to perform at an average level, never mind to perform at a, at a high level. Um, some businesses, you know, that are now striving to create this uh, platform for well-being in the workplace, you know, what was it like years ago? I mean, you just think about uh, people coming in and who were told to leave your troubles at the door. And sure, you leave your troubles at the door, but what if those troubles affect your team? And what if they affect... Um, you personally and what if they affect your family at home is that your responsibility as a manager is that your responsibility um, you could argue that it is if you want to create these optimum circumstances for high performance to to take place and to be nurtured and fostered then maybe that's part of your job as a manager is to become more of a mentor and um, a proper coach at the same time so now high performance has got very very Complicated and very complex. And if you think about any of the big high-performing teams, um, you know that Manchester United and uh, Liverpool and Celtic and uh, Rangers have got uh, emotional coaches and high-performance sports psychologists in and they've got nutritionists and you've got uh, strength and conditioning coaches, even in Gaelic football, you've got all of this. And you've got doctors on call, you've got team doctors, you've got everything... um, on top and in place to make sure that the athlete can perform at the optimum level. And then you take a look uh, across at the equivalent high-performing sales team and what do they have? Um, back in, in the day, in the mid-90s, in the place that I was working at um, for about four or five years that I consider high performance, there was a nurse and there was a doctor Kind of on call that if you weren't feeling well you could go in and discuss stuff and you could maybe get stuff medication given you there and then um, to take care of whatever it was that was going to get you through the day if you had any issues like people you know they wouldn't the door wasn't always open and come on in and tell us about your mental problems but they would observe and watch because it was all about harmony it was all about getting these people that were paid a lot of money to to work at a high performing level so it it was you had to be interested. Um, and this was in the 90s, like, so maybe it was to their credit that they were thinking like that then. And it's only now that a lot of businesses are... Well, some businesses are still applying lip service to it. They're not really all that interested because they don't fully understand it. And that's not their fault. It's just a. a um, it's going to take time. But again, it's a component or a constituent part of high performance. And if you really want to high perform, then you've got to create the circumstances for that performance to survive and thrive, so, again, is it be careful what you wish for or do you have to moderate your thinking or manage your own expectations? Um, there's a lot of stuff going on and I know that I'm, I'm kind of just... I'm, I'm interested in some feedback in this because I certainly don't have all of the right answers. I would have probably more questions than answers at this stage. Um, some of the reading that I'm doing is fascinating, but it's applying that um, and making it relevant and it's not a one-size-fits-all. It's very, very... Um, it's very much individual based. As the salesperson and as the team, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be in play. An awful lot of stuff that needs to be in play, and that includes recruitment, retention. Um, you know, the carrot and stick. Is it like what motivates the team? Um, intrinsic or and in, in, intrinsic or extrinsic factors, and on top of everything else, it's like getting the right people and getting the right managers, getting the right strategy and the right targets. And then you've got a layer on top of that, your business development um, strategy, you know, um, the geography that you're selling into the competitors. It's complex, you know. Um, so those are just some thoughts that I'd had. Um, and it was all based on the fact that when you look at what differentiates high-performance athletes and high-performance sales teams, it's all about recovery and it's all about training and it's all about time. Um, Everything else is the same demands made. Um, In Jeff Colvin's book, Talent is Overrated, he talks about the constituent parts of high performance and um, he he talks about uh, certain things that... um, yeah, you need your bit of na- you. You need your little bit of talent, and you need your little bit of um, sort of nature in there. But ultimately, there are a whole lot of things that that you have to put in place um, if you really want to create high performance teams. And you're um, talking about deliberate practice there, or deep or purposeful practice. Um, I think he calls it deliberate practice. Um, Stuff that isn't fun, ultimately, for the participant. You have to be coached a lot. It needs to be repetitive behavior. You have to repeat stuff deliberately that's going to be improving. Um, everything's just, everything you do is designed to improve performance. It has to be mentally demanding, and you get continuous feedback. So, like, um, is your sales team set up for that? Are you set up as a manager for that? Um, do you have the bandwidth? Do you have the infrastructure? Are you KPI and the right things? Um, So it's complex and I've probably just spat some stuff out there that um, I hope it makes sense and hope you can relate to some of it, but I'm really interested in your feedback and interested in in, um, what you have to say. I'm going to write in the bio some of the um, books that I've been using and researching from. Um, The Talent Code, Talent is Overrated, uh, Peak by Anders Ericsson, you can go to Matthew Said Bounce, you can go to Malcolm Gladwell, Outliers. there's a whole lot of books on it. Um, I would say that um, for me, Col- Colvin is very strong, as is Erikson's Peak. Then um, you've also got work by Angela Duckworth, Michael Gervais, uh, his podcasts are deadly. And um, There's a whole lot of information out there. Um, but I would be really interested in your feedback and feel free to get in touch and fire uh, emails, paul at shift-control.co.uk um, and maybe try and keep the conversation going a little bit um, and if you contest or disagree with stuff I'm happy to take that too because it's not about being right it's about doing what's right for you so um, thanks for very much for tuning in um, Shift Control uh, website is shift-control.co.uk and um, I'm on LinkedIn and nowhere else so thanks and I'll talk to you again